school each Sunday night. I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your hosts, Keith Burney. Mike and Deglio. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, and stream it on Hulu. I literally ran from the office to record this. I literally had to run from the doctor after getting a tetanus shot after visiting Coney Island. And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast going episode by episode through David E. Kelly's award-winning show, The Practice. Today we are up to season two, episode 24, Trees in the Forest. Speaking of forest, how you doing, Degs? Keith, I've never been happier. Oh, do tell. No, that's not true. None about nothing about that is actually true. <laughs> well, you know, you are truly an actor then, because I feel like half of an actor's job is to every life interaction say, "Oh, I'm doing great. I got all these things going on. I'm so happy," you know, and and it always being a lie. But because anybody you run into might be in the business and might want to hire you someday or might know somebody's going to hire you so you have to shine it up for them 24/7. That is true. That is accurate. And yes, that's my life. Although I I want to tell everybody once again uh, we are recording on the day of our Tuesday release date, which is not we had been doing very well not having to do that. However, marriage Keith often gets in the way of podcasting. <laughs> well, you know, it is it is it is a commitment they say. I don't know who says that, but I sure as hell don't. No, I'll I'll give you the I'm going to truncate a very long story into a very brief paragraph. And uh, you know, before you do this, let, let let me just throw out a hypothetical here before you tell a story. And this this is also good life advice, kids. Okay. Uh before you tell a story, is this good for my marriage to tell this story or is it bad for my marriage to tell this story actually i think it's okay in this case because okay. but, but however your your advice is is apt because i found out that my wife actually does listen to the first 10 to 15 minutes of every podcast we do oh no i'm so sorry the Jeff. second the practice begins she's out <laughs> But I feel like that's the opposite of almost every other one of our listeners. I know that's funny. That's that's what I said. But regardless, so she heard my uh, waxings on marriage last week, so that went well for me. <laughs> I'm sure. Anyway, long story short, uh, when we were supposed to record yesterday for our listeners out there, Tom Brady, I'm looking at you. Yeah. I had, let's go ahead and say, forgotten, even though that's not particularly correct. But let's just say I had forgotten. You know what? Sometimes forgotten is better than I just didn't care. Yeah, you're right. So forgotten, like forgotten's good. 
Anyway, I had forgotten that I was supposed to take my wife to Coney Island. She's lived in New York her whole life. She has never been there. Which I find remarkable. Me too. But apparently it's on her 40 under 40 list. She turns 40 next year. It's on her list. Now... Oh, congratulations. Yes, I was shocked not only to hear that uh, that was on the list. I was shocked to hear that there was a list in general. Well, I I would definitely like to hear all of the things on her list. We should do a separate podcast about what are the 40 things on Jen's list. Yeah. Because I think that'd be fascinating. Well, if any of them are as dumb as go to Coney Island, then it's not a great list. Because that's what I tried to tell her. I was like, honey, I understand in your brain you're thinking like those old pictures from the 40s and 50s of all these beachgoers and Ferris wheels and hot dogs and like the three seconds of B-roll you get every Memorial Day. Right, right. That's not what Coney Island is. Coney Island, in a a very polite way, turn of phrase, is basically what we call, in the biz, a shithole. <laughs> is that what we call it? Yeah. I mean, it's people... I, I've been to Coney Island... Actually, I've only been there twice prior to this excursion. Both times, Keith, both times I had my wallet stolen. I was pickpocketed. Oh, my God. I've been robbed in New York three times. Two of the three were at Coney Island. Oh, that is that is really remarkable. What did you do to prevent it this time? I didn't bring anything with me. That's, you know, I, I actually like uh, the aquarium. We did, not go, Co- we, did not go, we did not go to the aquarium. I, I'm curious to see it after they rebuilt it after the hurricane. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, oh, long story short, we went... And uh, we ended up not staying very long, and then we ended up going to Park Slope and spent the day there. It was very nice. However, I got what I got out of it. It started with just aggravation and frustration and a lot of traffic, but I uh-huh. got out of it the best thing a man in a marriage can get. <laughs> I don't think we should talk about that on this no, podcast. No, no, it's, be- it's better than anything sexual. I got okay. not only, and I told you so. But an affirmation of the "I told you so," oh, which is you got a you told me so. You got a you told me so, and a you were right, which is if you're a married dude, it is the biggest win one can get. You know, speaking of things that people uh, think are quaint that aren't, I have a running joke going with my wife that she all her she grew up in the city in Philly, and so she was. She had always thought of the idea as a trail uh, of a trailer park as this quaint, nice little place where, like, oh, you're next to your neighbors and you're all part of a community and it's nice and must must be full of old people. To <laughs> and you know, obviously, it's basically like a meth capital of Tetanus Valley. Is but- she from Pennsylvania? Yeah, she knows what a trailer park is. Yeah, but not in not in Philly. Like she's sort of in the city proper, so there aren't any quaint adorable like trailer parks filled filled with like disney singing animals there okay well sorry i think that's an i told you so there too (laughs) or you told me so no 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 well she's still holding on to the hope that we're gonna find one Uh, uh, okay maybe an rv park like when you go camping yeah no i mean like the thing is like i get the concept it's sort of like a uh she like it's 
like an old person's neighborhood where like you've got a whole bunch of like nice old couples out there for a walk and they're gardening and they're all together. It's just well, it's she's just thinking of a Florida trailer park. Like that's like an old person retirement yeah. trailer park kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's I think that's it. Well, we've we've alienated everyone at this point. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, you know what it's time for. It is time for. Guys, last episode, uh, if you listen, if you're skipping episodes, what are you doing? Uh, Seriously. We awarded the first ever inaugural Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. And uh, not unsurprisingly, we are not surprised. I just double negative. Oh, man. You know when I'm tired, I turn back into a Vermonter where everything in Vermont is a double negative. Like, oh, we ain't ain't never going to go there. Nuh-uh. So, you know, who knows what that means? Anyway, so we heard from our buddy Tom Brady, who said... Tom Brady says, oh my God, you love me. You really love me. We do. It was the award I was born to win. Thank you so much for this honor. Now, to celebrate, I will be breaking my vegan diet with a steaming plate of soft-shelled liberals. My o- my only question is, how will I be compensated? How will I be compensated? Yours and Tom, first, Mr. Brady, if you're nasty. I mean, first off, uh, that was a wonderful interpretive read. Thank you. Uh, you, you get a call ba- a callback based on that cold read. <laughs> nice. I won't. I won't. Uh, I won't be coming. Second off, I have been chuckling about the phrase "soft shelled liberals" <laughs> all week. <laughs> Yeah. It's brilliant, Tom. You're a funny dude. Yeah, he's very funny. I will, I will, I will take a little bit of credit because I accidentally said soft-shelled liberals. He eventually, I think he called us soft city liberals event originally, and I. Oh, I, is that what it was? So it's even funnier because he was mocking me. Oh, a thousand times funnier. <laughs> yeah, he he also throws in a Janet Jackson reference. Uh, I mean, he's, he really, he really knocked it out of the park. He pulled into, he pulled in my story from last week. I mean, he, he, he just, right, he's right. like, I want to prove I'm listening. <laughs> so people already started off pretty shitty. I feel like now's the appropriate time to insert this ad. Okay, guys, it is time to talk about the exciting day. That was March 30th, 1998. And we know what you are all wondering what was going on this day in the basement? So, Dex, what was happening in your basement? <laughs> I hate it. I, I hate when you phrase the question that way. But uh, I know in that sexy voice too, Dex. What was going on in your basement? Metaphorically Gross. speaking. <laughs> so, this is actually a great convergence of events this week because. As I've made mention to on the podcast a few times, my brother and I are sort of obsessed, not obsessed, we have, we are fans of the male soap opera that is, the male soap opera that is professional wrestling. Of course. Now, this past week, uh, Monday Night Raw, uh, which is the Monday show for the WWE, had a... I think by this point, everyone who listens to the podcast is now a professional wrestling, like, superstar. You're right. Know it all. Anyway, they returned to Madison Square Garden this week here in New York City. And... Did you go? I didn't go, but they did... I did watch with my brother, and they brought back a... 
a superstar you might have heard of. His name is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Vaguely. I've certainly heard the name. He was huge in the 90s. He has now gone on to become a big podcast host and a television host, and he's kind of a persona outside of the wrestling business. However, he came back and he made a huge splash, and it reminded me that the 80s were a special time. I was a kid. I was watching wrestling sort of like they were superheroes. In the 90s, it kind of got shitty for a while, and then it came back, and the WWE reemerged with what they called the Attitude Era. When it stopped being really for kids and they decided to really focus on more mature programming, so more cursing and blood and stuff like that. But they also were helped up by these two super, super, super huge superstars, Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. They both came to prim- prominence during the Attitude Era. And oh, we-, we know. You know, you've, you've, you've described the Attitude Era before. Well, the Attitude Era began, it symbolically began when Stone Cold Steve Austin finally won the belt. And Vince McMahon, the big boss of the company, came and basically was like, you've got it now that you're the champion, you've got to listen to what I tell you. And so on Monday Night Raw, on March 30th, 1998, which is a which will, will come to be an important date for you and I, Keith. Indeed. On that Monday Night Raw, Vince McMahon came to the ring and he told Stone Cold, now are you going to behave, basically? And Stone Cold... Wait, so was Stone Cold a face or a heel? Well, he was one of the first kind of what they call tweeners. He was sort of a he was sort of a son of a bitch, but okay. the audience loved it because everybody wants to tell their boss where to shove it, right? Got it. So it kind of got what they say got him over. So here's what happened when Vince McMahon said, "Hey, are you going to play ball? Are you going to are you going to do business and and behave yourself?" Well, let's find out slowly because <laughs> your That's YouTube never works. Decision in my book for yours and my relationship. Can I have maybe 10 seconds to think about this decision? By all means. All right, Stone Cold is thinking about it. (laughs) His thinking acting is amazing. He put his hand up to his head like the statue. Oh, he's really thinking, Keith. He's selling it. He's really... That's more than 10 seconds. Oh. Not again, he did it again. I mean, those people are going insane. What you just seen, what you seen is how to do things the hard way. If you no, want to go to continue doing things the hard way. Well, Keith, that's wow. basically the beginning uh, of the attitude uh, error. I have learned so much, and I can't wait to see Rebecca body slam Bobby. <laughs> Keith, what else was happening uh, in Vermont on March 30th, 1998? Okay, well, first off, March 30th, 1998 was my younger brother's uh, 15th birthday. Way! So, happy birthday, Scott. At that point, he was a freshman in high school and was already uh, one of the stars of our hockey team. And it was uh, he and his sort of couple of kids that his generation going up took the hockey team that when I started high school had a uh, combined record in the last few years of like 080 and three. Jeez. Okay. They they were not good, guys. They were not good. But uh, once Scott came on, he made that team good. But what I was what I was doing was not celebrating Scott's birthday. I was preparing 
one of the seminal moments of my life, one of the favorite things I've ever done in my life, and that is I was auditioning for the Stowe Theater Guild's production of The Secret Garden that I would uh, I would go on to spend the summer doing, but I well, we can't talk about that because I checked the episode dates and it doesn't go, uh, the, the, the season did not run into the summer. But uh, I spent the summer playing Archie at 18 years old, because that made sense, and uh, had this amazing time. Is in a room in the attic of the town hall in Stowe, like no budget, no nothing, folding chairs, sort of a theater. But uh, many, multiple people from this production went on to be professional actors. Huh. Uh, my uh, my friend uh, Jessica Smith is now the artistic director of a theater in uh, Seattle, and like TED Talk level kind of a person doing stuff like that, which is awesome. The girl who played Mary, Charlotte Munson, is a professional equity actress working her face off all over the country. There was, uh, and, and I'm sort of in the business, and uh, Broadway's own Leanna Hunt was a small child in this production. Uh, one of the ensemble members and who has gone on to have, Leanna's had a wonderful career. And I imagine your mom had a secret tape recorder on her. Uh well no there was there was a VHS of this have you ripped it I was I I have not ripped it I would love I, I I will at some point but there was another show we should do a podcast about it which I really uh, which would be really fun there was a show on I think it was on Bravo or E back in the early two thousands called Showbiz Moms and Dads I don't know it but I imagine it's like the Dance Moms show it it was and it was about like showbiz parents who exactly what you would expect on a show like that. Okay. <laughs> and uh the guy who became basically the the biggest breakout from that show was a guy named Duncan and he was on the show as the guy who moved himself, his wife and his seven children to New York City into a one bedroom apartment in New York City to try to make it all as theater actors trying to be like Professor Von Trapp, so on and so forth. He, like, he went on to be on Oprah, but he played, uh, who's the brother? Neville? Neville. Neville. He played Neville to my Archie, and we spent the whole summer running around with, uh, with the, the woman who played Lily, Taryn. We spent the entire summer running around Stowe together. Strangely quiet. But now... I know. Well, I, I'll, I'll try to find a clip of that. And, you know, of course, like, reality TV is not reality. Uh, but anyway, so if you were a fan of that show, you will know exactly who I'm talking about. Keith, can I recycle... Recycle? Can I rewind, be kind, rewind, all the way back to the beginning of your story? Yes. You mentioned a woman and then said she's, like, TED Talk level successful. What does that mean? It means she's given a TED Talk. Oh, okay. I, I, okay. I thought that you were I being... I found it on YouTube. It was really good. Okay. Should we share that link in the show notes? Sure. <laughs> Wait, do I have to do that? Of course you do. <laughs> uh, in that case, forget it. We're not sharing that link in the show notes. Keith, can I ask you one more question? Yes. What else was happening on Monday night, March 30th in 1998? Oh, gosh. Let me think. Uh, sometimes I 
I, I can't come up with what's going on because I get lost. I, I confuse the trees for the forest and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Oh, that was terrible. That was, that was pretty bad. And hold on, hold on. I deserve that. I think you should tell us about the episode that was airing after you tell us what was happening in the Vermont front page of the Vermont newspaper and then underscore it with the music from 1990. Since I've confused all of the segments and put them now all into one <laughs> one thing. I, I really do appreciate the, gui- the guidance here. Thanks. Help us out. So, ooh, Oh, there's like a concert version of this. Oh, shit. This song we are listening is All My Life. Still. Casey and JoJo. No, different song. Different song. Now, what I love about this song... Waiting for someone like you. Is... I... I, That piano intro, I accidentally completely ripped off (laughs) and wrote an entire song based on that piano intro, which I think is also in some other song, but I can't come up with it. But anyway, so I have an entire song basically a riff on that piano intro that has nothing to do with this song that I ripped off subconsciously. Anyway, the uh, top movie, we've moved on from Titanic again, and we have we are now watching Lost in Space, starring Gary Oldman, William Hurt, and Matt LeBlanc. That was a top movie? Took in $20 million that day, uh, that week. Wow. And on the cover of the Burlington Free Press, it's the, uh, Big things happening in Vermont. Patrol puts strain on troopers, which doesn't make a lot of sense unless you understand what's going on in Vermont. In Vermont, there are very few local police departments because the towns are too small to sustain them. So the state troopers do almost all of the police work in Vermont, unless you're in Burlington or unless you're in one of the bigger cities. So uh, them having to patrol is a lot because, you know, it's not really a state trooper deal. But in Vermont, it sure is. So when somebody's wheels get stuck in the mud on their dirt road, the state trooper has to come help them out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, in Underhill, there's there's certainly no Underhill <laughs> police department. <laughs> oh, that's why you're the Underhill uglies. Now it all makes sense in fantasy football. Keith, what were they watching on TV in March 1998 on the 30th, which was a Monday night? They were watching The Practice Season 2, Episode 24, Trees in the Forest. Now, this episode was written by series creator David E. Kelly and Frank Renzulli. Now, here's a little quiz. Do you have any idea who Frank Renzulli is, Mr. Indeglio? And I will remind you, we have talked about him on this podcast. Frank Renzulli, has he written for us before? He has not written for us before. Hmm. The name is so familiar, I could have sworn it was he was another right he was a co-writer on another episode, but now Don't open up another browser and search. It's gonna crash everything. I, Don't do it. I have opened up another browser, but I was just gonna pull up IMDB. I was not going to pull up him. <laughs> I just wanted the episodes IMDB up. Um I don't know. I, I'm not going to belabor the point. I don't know. All right. <laughs> Wait, belaboring the point is the entire point. point of a podcast. You're right. You're absolutely right. In fact, I want to start a new podcast now called Belaboring, belaboring the, the point. point. That's actually pretty damn clever. That'd be great. Uh, anyway, Frank Renzulli is the guy who played Kenny Tripp, the pimp in the uh, in the leather trench coat. 
Interesting. And now he's directing. He, well, writing. Writing. He wrote this episode <laughs> with David E. Kelly, and he actually has gone on to be a very successful TV writer. He wrote nine episodes of The Sopranos. Oh, shit. He also wrote an episode of The Walking Dead, the Crash TV show. He wrote an episode of The Wonder Years. Get the hell out of here. I know. So, uh, really interesting. The guy has a foot in both camps, which I certainly understand. I, uh, I want a foot in both camps. Well, write something. Yeah, it's a good Or write more. That's a good point. Um. So, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to bail you out of whatever... (laughs) You had nothing past that, um, did you? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, there's a certain type of um that comes out of a person (laughs) who has nothing. Oh, shit. You just heard it. (laughs) This show was directed by Dwight H. Little. Who will go on to epi- to? Oh God! <laughs> Should we just start over? Should we just go back from the beginning and start over? All right, we're gonna sing this together. We should oh. know that we didn't know what to say. We we're still kind don't of know what we're talking we're over each other. Over I each went other. to Coney Island yesterday on a podcast. Um. All right, so. He will go on to direct eight more episodes of The Practice. He also directed Halloween 4, Free Willy 2, Anaconda 2, and did 23 episodes of Bones. I do like Bones. I, it's, I I, I don't think I would be able to give it my full attention without killing myself. Oh, that's that's high praise. That's they should put that on the box art. <laughs> yes, but it feels like a thing I could have on my second screen while I was working on something I cared about. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, because it's it's not quite the level of show that I'm watching when I'm working on something I don't care about. Because then I want to watch something a little bit smarter, like Walking Dead or something that I can watch while I'm doing something I don't care about. What about something? What about I a, do care a about. ten fifteen Monday Night Football game? Oh, yeah, no, that's definitely a uh, that's a second screener. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, well, you know what it's time for? It's time for to actually do the episode. That's right. But first, what does Mike think's gonna happen? Don't ask, I'm not gonna do uh, it. Uh, not uh, a- uh, God damn uh, it, you no seriously? freaking way. Uh, it's in the other room. I don't right, care. You better, well, I guess you gotta fill the, uh, fill the void. All right, hold on, let me think about what to say. Uh, yeah, that's my attempt to fill. Uh, well, Mike gets the guitar, and what's interesting now is he's turned off his video, so I can't even see how close he is to having the guitar at this point. Is it in a case? It's is it tuned? Oh, here we are. What does Mike think's gonna happen? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> always step on your tag. Yeah, I give you the this I give you the seven chord in there. Uh, well, I I and aren't we all seven times more uh, satisfied by that? Keith, I'm going to go deep on this one. Oh, okay. Force through the trees. Now, some might think it has something to do specifically with uh maybe a maybe in the A case 
they're thinking so big picture that they miss a clue right under their nose that could break the whole thing wide open. Okay. But I no, think it's going to be good. much more literal. I think that maybe we're dealing with a kidnapping of some sort. Okay. And Are we going to uh, duct tape grandma again? Uh, maybe. And we're going to find there's going to be something, some, some sort of crime happens in the forest. Okay. But amongst very literal amongst the trees. <laughs> I love it if all of your uh, all of your guesses were a hundred percent literal. Um, well, I used to. I was pretty bang on for a while, and the past couple of weeks, I've I've really shat the bit. Mm. Something tells me I'm 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 pretty wrong here too. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's only one way to find out, ladies and gentlemen. And that's three a- hours after the podcast started. <laughs> Season two, episode twenty-four, forest Helen, in the for- trees in the forest. <laughs> Liz Fernal just got hit with appendicitis. She's got a manslaughter. Hit oh and run. no, you don't. We've already bought six continuances. The judge said if we're not ready, he dismisses. When? Tomorrow. As we look at uh, Helen Gamble, dark hair here. Uh, there's a story I really want to share, but I feel it's in the best interest of the podcast not to share the story. Oh. Definitely, profoundly no. But I will use to. All I can say is, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to say it. I can't believe I'm actually going to edit myself, but I'm not going to say it. Uh, Thank you. Oh, shit. Thank you. The world thanks you. But it is time for. I know that lawyer from somewhere. This ADA, who is, spoiler alert, about to give Helen a case, is played by Andy Umberger, who you would know from Mindhunter, Glow, Weeds, Harry's Law, Boston Legal, Mad Men, Buffy, Firefly, and he was uh, on Broadway in the productions of Passion, Company, and City of Angels. Hey, Keith, you know, last night, uh, his wife asked him what he wanted for dinner, and you know how he responded? I'm sorry, I need to, I'm, I'm, I'm just finding the booze. All right, go ahead. Um, burger? (laughs) You got the whole one there. That was actually kind of funny, though. I take it back. I take it back. You can't take back a double discount, double check, boo. Less than 10 hours notice. Two witnesses. And who takes the heat with the NJ? Me. There's no heat on this, I promise. The victim's a John Doe's homeless guy. Doesn't matter if we lose, but we can't just dismiss the defendant as well. Oh, great. It It doesn't matter if you lose if the guy who got murdered was homeless. We're off to a good start. I didn't ask. Oh, Eugene, welcome back to the, the show. Okay, Raymond, tomorrow we go. I took one last fly with the DA. He'll give us voluntary. Four years, it's not bad. That's manslaughter. Yeah. And you think that's good? Well, murder too, you get life. Manslaughter, you could be out in four. So we should take it? Look, here's my problem. You say you didn't mean to kill him, which may be so. But in order to get your story in, I got to put you on the stand. If I do that, that means that all your priors come in, which include two assaults plus three drug convictions. If a jury hears all that, I don't like our chances. So, so you think I should take it? Yeah. Yes, I Tell do. Tell me again, uh, when you hit him, what? 
it was jumping in. I had this party initiation. Mm, I didn't amazing. mean for nothing bad to happen, man. He's my friend. What well, gang initiation? Look me in the eye. It was an accident. I swear. Look me deeper in the eye. Ooh, sexy. Oh, I was gonna say a little scary, but sometimes okay. the line between those two are is blurry. Let's try it. It's a different podcast, Keith. <laughs> but I definitely think it's time for guy who accidentally killed somebody and might gang banger. <laughs> I was gonna say and might kiss Eugene because it definitely looked like they were gonna kiss for a second. What's wrong with that, Keith? I'm 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 on board. Bring it. Okay. Uh, that accidental murderer who might kiss Eugene later is played by Antonio David Lyons, who you would know from the show Bosch. He was in Hotel Rwanda, American History X, and The Sum of All Fears. I have some good movies. I remember him. Uh, American History X is one of my faves. Really cheery movie. That scene where so, he puts his teeth on the curb, it's, it's oh, even thinking well, about I it. I mean, the curb stomp. I mean, that that's like one of the most iconically horrible scenes I've ever seen. Oh, that, that movie was dark. And, <laughs> oh, great. And it also had uh, the woman who plays Kess on, uh, on Star Trek Voyager. Mm. In it. Oh, God, I was trying to go for the Star Trek one. I hit spare tires. Man, we're having a good episode. What God, what, a- like what app really do you use to uh, for your soundboard? Uh, let me see. the The app is called Upgrade. No, it's called <laughs> Soundboard. Uh. it just wants me to upgrade. Oh no, we went we went into a buffer uh, spiral. That's not good. Oh God, we are a shit show today. It's bad. It's things are are really bad right now. This is you know, and and I I'm nervous because I have. <laughs> I have another podcast to do later, and I was fried before we started. No, no, we haven't even gotten past the opening credits, and we are going so to... So, I, you know, I, uh, while you're doing that, I can apologize to Sean in advance for sucking on uh, on Woo tonight. Now, who... Do, Woo who d- is Wisdom of One. You should listen to it. You can find it on all of your iTunes. It's an amazing and hilarious podcast that me and my brothers do. It's sort of a live D&D with sound effects, and we do a lot of songs and commercial parodies that are both hilarious and a little bit upsetting. I, I did one uh, this week that Sean texted me. He's like, ooh, that one cuts a little close to the, bo- close to the bone uh, trying to help people with their self-esteem by telling them they're losers. Well, that's all we constantly do is tell people who listen to the show how what a terrible idea it is. So <laughs> That's really true. Uh, <laughs> this is not the uh, not the best podcast for people with high self-esteem, but then again, if you have high self-esteem, would you have a podcast? Yeah, that's a good point. All right, let's get past the... Uh... Look, I just I tried to fill really hard for you while you did that. You know what, uh, you know what type of a podcast would not just fill when there were technical problems? They would probably cut and then edit that part out. We should know that fact. We should know that thing, but we don't know that, cause you're not listening to a better podcast. It was, he was walking on the side of the street, 
Not not on the sidewalk, on the on the on the side. Guys, in the street. if you recognize not in the middle, this but on the voice, side, on the highway they call that a shoulder. Then but you are a classy it was a television it, it viewer. Wasn't a highway. I seen him walking there, and his car's because coming along. Because homeless guy, guy who temporarily doesn't have a home. That is none other than the legendary Richard Schiff, <laughs> who everyone would know from The West Wing, obviously, multiple Emmy Award winner. He was also on a show called Seven. He was in The Lost World, A Man of Steel, The Good Doctor, Ballers, House of Lies, Rogue, Ray, and this uh, was two years before he was on The West Wing, hmm. interestingly. Uh Really exciting to see, like, an actor of that caliber come in. The car uh, um, was coming along, and then, boom! Whoa! Boom! It's like, flat as a pancake, and... All right, Bob. Would you excuse us for a minute? So not only is he homeless, Keith, but it seems as though he's got some other issues he's dealing with. He's compromised in some fashion. Just wait outside, okay? I'll be out in a minute. That's my witness? Sorry. Oh, I, I gotta plead this one. Is Ray Abruzzo back? I thought your office said no. Well, I'll try to get involuntary. The suspect fled the scene, Helen. Keith, have I mentioned I have kind of a small crush on dark oh. hair here? Uh, you mean? have indeed. You've mentioned having a crush on Straight most of our little cats. There were witnesses. There was no specific intent to kill. So go manslaughter. They'll easily make You got a problem with that? I think we got a shot. No. He beat a kid to death. It was an initiation. There was no intent to kill. You know, kill. on second thought, okay. I think I have a crush Rebecca's on Kelly Williams. is Wednesday. Everybody's in? You don't have to. <laughs> what do you mean we don't doesn't have to? doesn't have to this be This is like the highest dog lover on her, isn't it? It's animal rights, and it's not a big deal. <laughs> not a big deal. You saved two shelters. Hey, we're all going to be there. Great. I'm late for Rebecca's a settlement. One other thing, actually. Can we help you? I'd like some equity in this firm. It's Lindsay for those listening at home. Excuse me? If you run the numbers, I've probably generated half our revenues. I've been getting feelers from headhunters. I really don't want to leave. I like it here. But I want some equity. Dude, did you hear that thwomp, Keith? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I believe the thwomp. We just felt uh, Lindsay's big ass dick hitting the table. Yeah, but she a thousand percent deserves it. Yeah, she's brought in all of their money. Mm -hmm. She uses freaking Egon like an ATM these days. What, like partner? Not equal, but yes. Oh, Bobby's pissed. The issue aside, don't you think that's something you should have addressed one-on-one? -on -one? There's no one-on-one -on -one in this firm. Everything comes out, so I wanted to be upfront. And exactly how am I supposed to react? Bobby. That was an ultimatum, saying, I don't yes, handle ultimatums very reasonable. Well. I make about a third of what I'm worth. And it's not like I'm trading in salary for prestige. This place doesn't leave you with much of a pedigree. Oh, I am so sick of you complaining. I didn't make a complaint in there. I made a demand. There's a difference. You want to go? I want to stay. And I'm willing to make less, but I, I won't be an idiot I mean okay <laughs> right good good for her
Now, this is one of those places where it probably would be less complicated for Bobby had he not fucked her on the couch. <laughs> right? Uh, that is... Yes? Yeah. That I'm sounds like a, like a page in a children's Hello? book. You don't know my boy. You probably don't like him. Are you going to save him? This is the mother of an accidental jail. killer played by Leontine Giard. When you arrived on the scene, was Mr. Johnson still alive? He still had a pulse, but he was unconscious. He died en route to the hospital. Did you question Mr. Burnett? Yes. What, if anything, fan. did he tell you? The fan. He said he'd been in a fight. That fan, that fan is famous victim, at this point. But he never meant oh, to definitely. kill him. It's a regular actor. How long have you been connected with the gang unit? Going on 15 years. Would you say that that makes you an expert on street gangs? With regard to this city? Yes, I would. Have you ever heard the term jumping in? Yes. Would you explain it for us, Detective Horn? It's a gang initiation ritual. Different gangs do it differently. This one used playing cards. Playing cards? Yes. The prospective gang member picks a card. The Any number card. of the card will decide how many existing gang members he has to walk through, allowing himself to be punched by. And to your knowledge, the victim drew a card? He drew the ace of spades. It's also how you get your special card. significance. The ace of spades! The ace of spades! <laughs> yes. In this particular gang, drawing the ace meant the one being initiated okay, had to go against the right gang there. member. Freeze it there for a second while we do two things. One. Gang detective. Oh, that's me. Gang guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, we're a mess. It's fucking it's it's such a, a mess. What a today. steaming pile today. Hopefully, but, Tom, Tom, you still but, love us, right? Tom, you still love us. Come on. I sure hope you still love us, Tom. We gave you an award, okay? We gave you an award, so you have to listen to us when we're garbage. Okay, but <laughs> if you... <laughs> Wait, what was so funny? It all just became clear to me in that moment. That uh, we're so starved that you spent actual time in your life to compose a bumper to give it a fake award out to a dude who just because he wrote us a couple emails. <laughs> I have and will do more for less. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I'm in the arts. Guys, I will do anything yeah, you, for nothing. You just think about where what the lengths will go. Can you can you top Tom Brady? Can you do more than write us an email? Oh, he does send funny pictures, too. Let's not sell it short. He photoshopped for us. He does. Uh, Tom, we love you. We love everything. Yeah, but have you. you left a review, Tom? Have yeah, you? Tom. Have you really? I mean, you know, in one of your 15 pseudonyms. I mean, it'd be pretty easy. All I have to say is I have won multiple Super Bowls, but the accomplishment <laughs> in my life that has meant the most <laughs> is winning an oopsie on this podcast. There, I you just know, wrote I it. I just wrote it for you, Tom. I, I don't think you're allowed to write the reviews. That, that defeats the purpose. Well, Anyway, I was just suggesting that's okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I suggest that you look at the screenshot here and our tough guy, uh, gang detective has an earring. Yes, he does. He's, he's full on got a stud in there in his ear. Does he dye his beard or does he dye his hair? Which one? Keith? 
Ooh, good question. Because the carpets do not match the drapes. Need to be the toughest. And do you know who that member would be? Oh, I forgot to say who he is. So, <laughs> by drawing... <laughs> that's John Plachette, who you would know... Oh, no, that's no, that's not at all. That's Robert... <laughs> oh, God damn it. Uh, I'm just not good at this episode. I don't know what's wrong. Maybe I need a sandwich. On a but we don't have a budget for that. Podcast. Better podcast. <laughs> that is Robert Shuk. S-C-H-U-C-H. I'm assuming such shuk whatever. He was on Quantum Leap, Babylon 5, LA Law, and Perfect Strangers. A first Perfect Strangers of the uh, series. Um I'm so happy he's on this episode. We do the dance of joy. Indeed. On the ace, the victim, Mr. Charles Johnson, had to fight the defendant. Yes. And to your knowledge, it was in that fight that Mr. Johnson suffered the injury which caused his death. That's correct. And detective, when you detained my client and talked to him, could you describe his demeanor? He was crying. Thank you. Who's that lady with the Why? with the turtleneck writing in the like jury? That? Isn't it crazy how easily you can you can decipher when somebody's not an extra? Except she is an extra. No. Yes. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm dead serious. That shot was set up like she was a reporter or something that was going to be integral to the story. No, she was clearly dating the camera, the DP. <laughs> she's she's getting that camera DP. You know what I'm saying? No. Boo. Oh, we're gonna start booing now? Eugene we've been shit we've been shitting on the floor no, for the what? past three hours. Well, Bobby and I used to sleep together. There, it's been said. Now. Whoa. For those of you who missed it because I'm an asshole and talked over it, did did Lindsay just admit to Rebecca that she was fucking Bobby? She sure did. Suppose I went to Bobby privately and made my request. Rebecca's Suppose thinking about every time she's ever sat on that couch. Used to suck my elbows through the night. I mean, there'd be a mutiny. This way, out in the open, Bobby doesn't get accused of special favors, does he? But he got some special it's favors. It's better for everybody I did it this way. She's making a good point, though. Yes. She did what she had to do under the ridiculous circumstances. There's a rat in the office! And everyone's jumping on the desk and making amazing faces. Look how great Don't worry, Eleanor's I screenshot of them. Sport, shock, sport jacket is, though. That looks like a they murdered a couch and turned it into a jacket. Wow, she is friend of the show, Keith. And she's one of our elected representatives. I don't think she does I don't think she murdered the couch and made a jacket out of it. She wore what she was told to. You know, of all the things we've said on this podcast, that might be the most disrespectful. <laughs> to what? The couch? It was one one of them big Mercedes tinted windows. We see a car like that. Richard's come around on the stand. that time of night. We we think they're trolling for for pretty smelling hookers. Yes. Uh, Any bit of little hooker girls. <laughs> what they do see that what what they do is they climb into the back big back seat you know and the car starts shaking also like like <laughs> he is simulating a blowjob. Mr. Show, I'd like to just stay focused on the actual events of that night. Some of them girls are, are really men. 
You know, there's <clears throat> nobody ever finds that out because he, Mr. John's, but they, but they're just looking for a quick slurpee. Mr. Show, <laughs> just the accident. Wasn't that your nickname in high school, Could Keith? Could you describe it, please? Quick slurpee? I seen a guy walking not near even the side of the road. Now, <clears throat> big, big car, Mercedes comes along, boom, hits him. How far away were you? If I'm the comedian, you are henceforth known as Quick Slurpee. <laughs> Ten feet. Boom! Then it just speeds off. It just never stopped. Just sped away. Did you get the license plate number of this car? TD. Just TD. as the first letters. It's like touchdown. Had you ever seen the victim before? No. He's a homeless man. Just a big, big bum. It's a bigger bum than me. You drink. Uh, dear those listening at home, you don't even have to see what's happening on screen. You're hearing acting. You're just hearing it. Yeah. Well, and it is so shocking to see Toby from the West Wing <laughs> saying these lines. Thinking that night, Mr. Show? Yes, I was. But I saw what I saw. That car hit him. I never stopped. Objection, non responsive. Sustain. Just answer the question asked, sir. We both saw it. Both? Somebody else was with you? Yeah. So there you go. Well, who else witnessed this accident? Mr. Penis. I'm sorry? Mr. Who? Mr. Penis. I formally withdraw Keith's nickname of Mr. Slurpee and replace it with Mr. Penis. Keith, you knew all along that someone was going to, that Mr. Penis was in this episode and you couldn't wait to hear how I would respond. Is that true or is that uh. false? You know what I'm gonna do? It's time to talk about. I know that lawyer from somewhere. See, you know that's something they use from the West Wing. That's rejecting the premise of the question. Mr. Penis it's is a, played by. Uh, that lawyer is played by this one. This for real is played by John Plachet, who you'd know from Curb Your Enthusiasm, Curb Your Enthusiasm, The Truman Show, Murder One, Lois and Clark, and he was in Rocky Two. Mm, like Rocky Two. When? His big pink guy was when? looking right at it, saw the whole damn thing. Ah, so both of you saw it. Me and a cyclops. Boom. <laughs> His big pink eye. Oh, I'd love to see the audition sides for that scene. How long are we going to stay like this? Till she gets it. I'm not getting it. Well, you speak his language, Lindsay, fellow rat. What I did was good for the Whoa. film, Rebecca. What happened to Rebecca the Cricket? Why isn't Rebecca entirely on Lindsay's side on this? There is a rat running around. Jimmy Wait, just what, walked what in. Did, what did Lindsay rat on? But trying to get a promote, like asking for more money. Oh, that's not what a really a rat is, though, is it? No, it's not. It's somebody reasonably asking for what they no, deserve. No, in Washington, that's why we're all up on our desks, big head. Don't you be rude with me, Rebecca. Just get the rat. They started the episode saying that Rebecca, like, saved all these animals and shit, and now she's is a bitch, this scene. Yeah, and she wants to kill the rat. All right. Where is it? (laughs) And Jimmy has a hockey stick. Now, pause it right here. Happy birthday, Sean. Happy birthday. This is a specific reference to one of my uh, one of my favorite stories from the NHL, and that was in the ninety five ninety six season, the expansion team Florida Panthers 
uh, were playing in, <clears throat> in obviously in Florida, they were playing in this old shitty arena before they built their new one. And it one day in the locker room, their captain, Scott Mellenby, found a rat in the locker room and killed it with his stick, with his hockey stick. And it became sort of like the story that ran around all the place. And all of a sudden, the team started doing well. And the fans, to commemorate this as a good luck charm, started throwing plastic rats onto the ice after every goal. And what happened was the team went on this miraculous run in the playoffs all the way to the Stanley Cup finals. And by the finals, after every goal, there were thousands of plastic rats thrown onto the ice that had to stop the game for like 12, 15 minutes every time they scored a goal in the Stanley Cup finals because they they throw on these rats, which this, I believe this is a reference to. It's really cool. I find it on YouTube guys. Cause it's, if you weren't there <laughs> the first time to see it, which of course I was, uh, it's really remarkable to see. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been 80 hours of podcasting and we finally have, done something somewhat deep cut worthy of a deep dive into an episode of a television show. Keith, congratulations and thank you. <laughs> about hockey. It's a uh, left-handed stick for those keep, keeping uh, track at home. <laughs> that shot was funny. <laughs> That's a pistol. Eleanor grabbed the gun. gun. It's a starter pistol. What are you going to do, race him? No, I'm going to scare it. <laughs> Zing! <laughs> yeah, that's a great line. Not going to scare it? Well, then you do something, big head! It's normal size! You began to date to keep <laughs> your son out of the well. game. I thought if but I Actually, before we do this... I know that lawyer from somewhere. Uh, we didn't introduce him before because I didn't want to break up a momentum, but we have no momentum. So this is played by Tyrese Allen, uh, who you'd know from Dark Blue, Brothers and Sisters, Alias, Walker, Texas Ranger, and RoboCop. Uh, and while we're doing it, the mom, who is testifying right now, uh, the mother of the kid who accidentally killed the <clears throat> other kid, is Tina Lifford, you know from Queen Sugar, Scandal, Parenthood, Family Law, American Gothic, and happily... She was on Deep Space Nine in the episodes Past Tense Part 1 and 2. And she played a voice of one of the sheep in Babe. You didn't even give it the normal length of the short version. I I, I know, I, I screwed up. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. There we go, I did it. Male leadership into his life. What gang was your son trying to join, Mrs. Johnson? one he was in they call themselves the bank oh, mother of the victim your son had a relationship with the defendant going back five years to when he was 11 when he started selling drugs for him charlie started selling drugs for the defendant yes when he was 11 years old yes did you know about this at the time yes i did everything i could but charlie looked up to him wanted to be like him. Steady was killed by him. You talked about trying to steer your son away from gangs. He didn't have a father, did he? No. And you work at a gas station as an attendant and uh, your hours are from 3 p.m. to midnight? 
Yes? Mrs. Johnson. Come on, Eugene, you can't turn this on her. How often did you see Charles during any given week? I know that I couldn't be there for him as much as I wanted. I understand that. Mrs. Johnson, was there anybody who looked out for your son? Oh, if you call getting him to sell drugs, looking out for him. On the Columbus block where you live, what percentage of boys ended up joining gangs? Most. Most. And you testified that your son looked up to my client. In fact, you often thought that my client helped keep your son alive, didn't you? I'd ask that you please respond to my question, ma'am. I will answer your question, sir. Slow zoom. Did I often appreciate him looking out for my boy? Yes. And I know they was friends. But he got him involved in drugs. He got him into gang business. And with his own hands, he killed him. So don't you dare be saying I should be sitting here looking at him grateful. Mm. It's an intense performance. A lot of extras getting creature shots. Yeah, lots of uh, close-ups. Outdoors, it's Steve. Yeah, I'm putting up the detective. I should only do about 10 minutes, though. I, I Wash your need... windows, ma'am! Well, we should rest by the end of the day. Okay. It's pretty old-school cell phone you got there, uh, dark hair. Great. Look, somebody's got to get down and flush it out. Why are you going to blow its ears out with that? Rebecca, I'm an animal rights activist, too, and there's a waiver on rats, okay? We're going to have to flush it again. Well, then get down there and be a man. Wow. Oh, hey, Bobby. How's it going? How's it going? Oh, there it is! There it is! That's hysterical. What in God's name? I think I got him. Got who? What? This law firm has rats. What a surprise. Oh, uh, you know what, It's like Lindsay, a full-on, like, farce it? now. It's in the corner, right there. Nothing's moving. Uh, I think I got him. Oh, God. It's on Rebecca's leg. Oh, that sound effect. <laughs> Rebecca just stomped on the rat. The curb stomp, Keith. That is one dead the rat. curb stomp the rat. <laughs> Ew, the squish sound effect was nasty. I oh. feel of it. Oh, I we had you a know, shot. I, I think I can speak for Sean here that but even the those are the sound effects the you the relish died. and look forward to. Mrs. Burnett, he died from getting punched in the head. Now, if Raymond didn't have a record, I'd say let's roll the dice. But now I say let's take the manslaughter. Is Sean still working that business, Keith? How long will he have uh, to go to jail for that? Not a, Well, I mean, on the movie he does. You're looking at six. I'd be hoping for four. What do you mean, no? I want him for murder, too. Oh, come on, Curtis. Yesterday you offered manslaughter. What was yesterday? You? So, what's changed? What's changed is I was looking at that boy's mother on the stand and I just got sick of it. I am sick of hearing, didn't mean it from the gangs. It's time they started taking... Come on, Curtis. Now, I took offense at you. I didn't like what I heard from you. Which was? Which was, these kids got nowhere else to turn but gangs. There's nobody there for them but gangs. Oh, you don't think there's some truth It's not that. an excuse. Now, look. I was raised by a single parent. I lived in those neighborhoods and I got out, Eugene. Kids do make other choices. So you got out. I'm happy for you. That doesn't mean that my guy should get murdered too. A kid is dead because of your guy. Try the case, Curtis. I am trying my case. It's a really interesting conflict. 
and situation that I wish weren't written by two white guys. Yeah, it's funny. I was about to say the exact same sentence. <laughs> Coming from two you white guys. try yours. <laughs> right, right. I love how much we harp on that. <laughs> just two straight walk. white men talking about these things. More, but above straight white men, Keith, we are soft-shelled liberals, and we are staunch we are soft in that. soft-shelled liberals, yes. Rebecca, I'm not about to let... A soft-shell crab still screech when you put him into a bo- pot of boiling water. So... <laughs> so do the soft-shelled liberals. You're right. They preach. <laughs> extort me. You say me. This is my firm. Listen to me. This firm is not just you and me anymore. There's Eugene, Jenny... They're not behind they, what she's doing. They don't know the numbers. If they did, they might say, give us some equity. And if I do, what's to stop Eugene from wanting a piece and then Alan... Well, maybe it's time for you to deal with that. I don't have to. So wait, so what side is Rebecca on here? Because she's just been super salty with Lindsay to her face, and now she's defending her, making her point for Bobby behind her back. Actually, it makes me interested in what Rebecca's cut is, because clearly she's she's not a lawyer, so she can't be a partner in the firm, can she? No. But he just said it's not just you and me anymore, so apparently she was in at the ground level. It started out with just the two of them. I mean, I believe at this point she's still just the receptionist. Paralegal, Keith. Paralegal. Yes, my apologies. Bobby, this is a firm now. You have people committing to it. Committing to a promise made by you to build this place into something. I won't have a gun put to my head. Or a starter you know, pistol. But sometimes I think you like putting a gun to your own head. Like, Bobby, you're wrong. You know you're wrong. Excuse me. Yeah, I mean, because the other option is for her to just leave. and But she gave you an option. Well, well, exactly. Plus, she fucking deserves it. I think, yeah, correct. I just think he's salty because she did it in front of everybody. Yeah, but, like, that's Mr. what Shell. you get when you've been in a relationship I, with I know, a support. I, I kind of digressed up there on the stand. And so I, I, got, I, got, I got nervous and I... I was just, I was thinking if you put me up there again, I, I, I could be more vivid. Well, I think we accomplished what we needed to accomplish, but thank you. Because I, I left some things out. So <clears throat> he just peeled away and uh, a big screech enough for effect. I could describe that now. I wouldn't have to mention Mr. Pinky. Mr. Shaw, I know you'd like to testify again and collect another witness fee, but I don't think I'm going to recall you. Oh. Well, okay then. That if, was If cold. you need me, then you know where I am. Okay. And yes, I, under I, a bridge, you, you have a, nice a little lady bit more us. respect and compassion. Just, um, be remiss if I want to say that. Thank you. Who was that? You too, Lindsay. What homeless the hell? Homeless guy wanting to collect another witness fee. Did she say a nice guy or a homeless guy? Homeless guy. That's that's that is cold. That's cold. They're just both like laughing at him. My stupid hit and run case. I'm gonna miss Rebecca's luncheon. Oh God, I need you there. I won't have anybody to talk to. It didn't go well. Oh no. We need for you to describe how this happened, Raymond. Well, like I said, Charlie drew the ace. And the ace means that he has to go with the toughest guy for 60 seconds. And that was you? I didn't say that, but, uh... It was kind of like a vote. Yeah. But, Raymond, 
Charlie Johnson was your boy, your friend. You're the one who invited him in, yes? Yeah. Oh, come on. Couldn't you take it a little easy on him? I mean, he wasn't allowed to fight back. This is your friend. Look, I did take it a little easy. But I, I couldn't just... Couldn't what? I had to hit him some. If I didn't, they wouldn't have let him in. It had to be a real initiation, man. So you did hit him pretty hard. I was mostly jabbing. But like I said, he couldn't hit back. It's one of those world-famous The Practice flashbacks, Keith, where they go black and white, they cut out some frames, and they hit us over the head real hard. Guys, we don't need flashbacks. Ever. Guys, I think it's you should all know that while we're watching this episode, Keith is combing his hair. Oh, no, I'm just... <laughs> I, I'm fiddling with a comb. <laughs> I'm not actually combing my hair. He's fiddling with a pink comb. Yeah. That's a big pink yeah, comb to go for that I stole from my wife. Look, I, I was punching him mainly on the shoulders and in the back because I knew that wouldn't do much. But I had to hit him in the head some. And then... Then what? I was swinging a right to his head and he kind of swerved. Oh. Right in the throat. And he grabbed himself, man, and he went down. And I could tell he couldn't breathe, so, so I stopped and I, and I tried to help him. I thought maybe, maybe he, he swallowed his tongue, man. I, I put my fingers in his mouth, but he couldn't get in. He couldn't get air. See, and then he was, here's what I think about the flashbacks. I think the flashbacks are a sign that you are not trusting either the writing or the acting uh, or both of the episode. Because if the writing is good and the acting is good, you don't need to heighten that. You can sustain that story with good storytelling. And like the, the flashbacks feels like such a lazy crutch because you're like, oh, we're not going to get it or it's not going to be compelling enough. Yeah, I mean, if I'm the benefit of the doubt thing that I've been thinking about recently is that they've done a lot of stuff, especially even last week with, with John Larroquette, where it's unreliable narration. You know, we don't quite know what the truth is sometimes. Sure. But every fair. time we've seen the black and white flashbacks, it's been exactly what happened. We know it to be true. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it, yeah, that it's true. It actually does fulfill the, like, we are now as an audience member to believe what he is saying. Right. I'm trying to think. But what about when when Rebecca was ha having? Remember, she was couldn't remember if she remembered precisely at the, with the gas station when we would go to the black right. and whites, we could see his face, right? Right. Okay. Which again, I thought was a bad idea because it's always more interesting to really wonder. Yeah. Well, going forward though, that's going to be. Whilst I I really do believe you that it's just lazy, I'm gonna let's let's keep my hypothesis that it's the only trustworthy narration or trustworthy narrator uh, in those circumstances. Right. Let's see. Yeah, Joey didn't get no flashbacks. It's twitching on the ground, man. <laughs> he couldn't get in. And then the paramedics came and they said something about his windpipe that I crushed something in his throat. They took him away. It's a good performance. It's an he odd performance. Dead. He was dead. 
You know, it's interesting, Keith, you mentioned audition sides before. And in, in this series, I guess it goes with any courtroom drama, but this series specifically, because their shots are so tight always, yeah, you re- there's really nowhere to hide. And it's why I think there, we always are commenting on how great most of the performances on the witness stand are, because they have to be. Yeah, they've got a camera literally up their yeah. nose. It's becoming pretty pretty signature. Even in Law and Order, a lot of those places, you'll see a lot of wide shots where you see the whole witness stand. We get right. it, in this ep- in this show. We're getting we get it right up in their faces. Yeah, no, they really do. You hit him hard, didn't you, Raymond? It's because they're trying to hide the fact they only the have gang. two courtrooms. Ah, the gang <laughs> that you talked him into joining. The gang you got him to sell drugs for when he was eleven years old. The gang objection fan. Sustained. Who is this, Raymond? Objection. Overruled. Who is this? Charlie. That's Charlie. After you killed him, isn't it? Objection. He's grand. What's the matter? You don't want the jury to see the victim? Hey! The objection is overruled. How do you get these bruises on his face, Raymond? feel like that overruling an objection is a good opportunity to introduce Joseph Campanella, strangely playing Judge Joseph Camp. That they clearly didn't have a didn't have a name for him, but they needed to put a, a name tag in front of the uh, the judge's thing, so they just used his actual name. Uh, but he was in uh, on Voyager as a Federation arbitrator. He was also does a ton of uh, voiceover work in animated series. So he plays uh, Kurt Connors in The Lizard on the Spider-Man animated, animated series. He was also on Baywatch, Beauty and the Beast, Ironside, Mannix on the original Fugitive show, mm, so and good. Guiding Light back in 1982. I'll ask you again, sir. How did he get these bruises on his face? I had to hit him some. You had to hit him some. I feel like that's an objection. Because, like, using that picture is prejudicial because they've already established that he hit him. What is it? It's about some direction. It's about the firm. How many times are we going to play this record? The firm needs direction. Talk or not? Bobby, let her speak. Yeah, Bobby, come on, dude. The economy is way up. The the business of law is way up in Boston. We are good lawyers. And this place is still scratching. Why? Management, it doesn't have any. And you think you can do it better? Do I think I could do it better? I think he could do it better. You're hey, a great you to the Guys, stop shouting. You're better than this. If I had to have a nomination for most annoying convention on this show that's not flashbacks, it's them all shouting over each other. Um... I might be mistaken, but I believe that in all the hubbub, 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 they're talking about who's getting irate and who's upset or whatnot. I believe that Jimmy just asked Lindsay if she's pregnant. <laughs> Did he? I'm going to go back. I think he went, are you pregnant? Which will be absolutely <laughs> ridiculous if I'm right, but let's see. 
The next cut. He did. Are you pregnant? May I say something? Then I'll shut up. I'll make it quick. Go ahead. You know, sometimes a little little acting behind the scenes. When you have a lot of peas and carrots lines, you're always saying something absurd. Like you know, a lot of people get. I think what he said was a lot of people get their emotions heightened when they're pregnant. Are you pregnant? Oh my god. Sleeping so together. It's very Jimmy though. Nice. Rebecca. So Jimmy. You know what? That's that's great. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's that's great. Great. That's that's great. oh, good meeting everybody. Good meeting. Yeah. That's great. Sometime we should tell the stories of how we passed the time in scenes on Titanic when we weren't talking lines in real, for real life. Oh, you mean just standing there holding champagne glasses for hours and hours? For hours and hours. We used to, I used to play a game where... Because there was like food things that we had to sort of mill about eating uh, during that scene. And I made it my mission to try to put as many of the food things in other people's pockets as I could during that scene. <laughs> also, wasn't it you? But I looked around. The, in the opening number, I had the clipboard, mm-hmm. right? And you came over to look at it, and I tried to write something stupid on it every night yep, to crack it. That you was up. me, as a matter of fact. Professional. So I drove off. One Renault Town motor carriage, Titanic. <laughs> well, Mr. Feldman, why Titanic. didn't you stop? Oh, I did stop. I looked around. You didn't get out of your car. No, I didn't. Why not? Suppose I was afraid to. I was in a very bad area driving a Mercedes. I didn't really want to get out. But you struck a man. Yes, but I thought he'd run off. Plus, I wasn't sure it wasn't staged. Staged? I thought he made it seem like... Keith, it's time for a segment called Mike Hasn't Been Paying Attention. <laughs> um, so, so, in this case, um, this man on the stand hit a homeless person. Hit and killed. Hit and killed a homeless, a homeless person, person and took off, and, and, the, drove and away. the only witness is the other homeless guy and his penis. That's right. Okay. Way to pay attention to the show that we're doing two hours on. Which Helen is uh, the district attorney on this case, but she's treating it like a cast off, like she doesn't give a shit. Because homeless people aren't people, is what Helen's perspective is. Up, get out, only to be mugged. Like I said, I was in an awful neighborhood. I was afraid. Don't you think you should have at least checked? You hear a Clayton Landy, by the way. You think you hit somebody. I did check. I looked around. You stayed in your car. If a man were prone on the ground, how would you see him from in your car? Especially at night. In retrospect, I, I probably should have gotten out. But like I said, I was afraid. But you didn't even call the police. Well, I probably should have. Why didn't you? Because I thought it was just a robbery attempt. And since I hadn't been victimized, I didn't figure the police to do anything. So you didn't even call them. You had a car phone. Look, I was scared. I didn't think I heard anybody. And the only thing going through my mind was get the hell out of there. Why didn't you notify the insurance company? Your car was damaged. I, I was going to. You were going to. Hop up, hop up, murmur, 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 hop up. Peace it's and okay carrots, to punch. Are you pregnant? People in the head 
so long as we call it initiation. Now, some gangs require that you go out and cap somebody before you get into the club. I don't know about oh, you. Oh, wait, wait. It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. It's closing time. Otherwise, your client's dead. Closing time. This is closing time for the accidental gang initiation murder. Coming at 26 minutes and 11 seconds into the episode. Yeah, we've got some other stuff to wrap but up. But I've had enough. For all his remorse, ladies and gentlemen, there sits a gang member three times convicted on drug offenses, twice on prior assaults. And this is the man who lured the victim into drugs, into gang life. And this is the man who killed the victim with his fists. What are we supposed to do here? Have a group cry for these poor kids disenfranchised by society? And gangs are the only community they know. Their fathers leave, their mothers work. Society just isn't there for them. So it's okay to punch, to initiate, to fire a random shot on a drive-by. These are poor, unfortunate victims. I don't buy it. You want to work on community outreach? I mean, kudos to the team, though. I know we, we poke a lot of fun, but this is, an, uh, aside from the crazy farcical rat storyline, the B and C stories here are dealing with marginalized members of society, right? You've got the homeless community yep. and, the, and the gang community. So it is interesting how should they, in this, ep, in this scene, it's like, should they be given extra... Uh, benefit of the doubt because they're marginalized by society and in the other case the question i guess is do they count as much as the rest of the society yeah well i mean and it's like yes of course it's a couple of white guys writing and a couple of white guys talking about it but like well-intentioned absolutely like are never going to be as informed as where can i sign up to help due to circumstances but but are well-intentioned first ladies and gentlemen we must attack gang violence head-on although like we say often, we're not going to solve these problems via conversation, right? But especially in the 90s, regardless of who is initiating the conversation, the fact that these, I don't think David e. Kelly in a lot of these circumstances wraps the case. A lot of times I think you assume that, well, the conclusion of this case must give us some sort of finite position that the show holds. Right. And, right. and obviously that's not possible. So I got to cut him the slack in that just initiating the conversation, you know, you get a pat on the back for that. No, absolutely, and I, that's one of the reasons that I picked this show, and I liked this show, is that it does, br- it, it does give voice to a lot of people who weren't given voice at that point. Now, is there a better uh, mouthpiece? Is, is is there are better words, uh, the better, more informed voices from those people? Absolutely, but at least it's good to be on television thinking about it. If you kill, you go to jail, damn it. Don't tell me you had a lousy home life. Don't tell me your dad was a drunk. If you sell drugs, if you recruit people into gangs, if you kill, you go to jail, damn it. You go to jail. Good clothes. Yeah. Come on, Eugene. What you got, Eugene? 
I have a 10-year-old boy. My greatest fear is that somebody like him might come along and convince my son, hey, you're nothing without the colors. I hate gangs as much as he does. But this trial isn't about putting an end to gangs or gang violence. All this trial is about, all this trial is about is whether this man intended to kill Charles Johnson or was he so reckless that he should have known he put the victim at extreme risk? He didn't. You heard the doctor's crushed windpipe. Now, was it foreseeable that Raymond, with one punch, was going to kill his friend? Of course not. Did he want to kill him? You know he didn't. He wasn't even trying to hurt him. You know that, and so does the prosecution. That's why when he got up here, he didn't go after Raymond Burnett as much as he went after the gangs. He said, let's stop these gangs. The gangs are the culprits. And maybe he's right. But this isn't a forum to cure the ills of society. This is about one death, one defendant, and his intent. And if you don't find that intent, you cannot punish him just because he's in a gang. Who or what he is, that is not on trial here. If it were, I might say convict. For the sake of my son, I pray that you would. But this trial is about the act. And this act was an accident. Good close. Great close. Let's not see the 12 of you go back there and turn into a gang. Now, I love hearing two good closings. Mm-hmm. Hi. Hello. Rebecca, I was hoping I'd catch you. Shirley, what's up? Well, oh, um, Lindsay Doe, this is Shirley Yellen of Save Our Animals Association. Nice to meet you. It's a pleasure. Keith, tell me that somehow it got back to her that she killed this rat. You're not going <laughs> to believe this. Marcy Kelling works dispatch at Precinct 12. Oh, uh, you know, she's on our board of governors. Uh, I don't know her. Well, she certainly knows you since you're about to be one of our honorees. Um, she says evidently you killed a rat. Yeah, in the office here. Ugh. What? Oh, it's just the politics. The last thing we need running in the papers, one of our honorees is a rat killer. I am not a rat killer. I know. It's just the media. You know, it's the kind of thing they get all creamy over. So what are you saying, Shirley? <laughs> nothing. What a weird turn of N- phrase. Nothing. It doesn't mean a thing. I, I just wanted a response in case somebody asked me. Don't worry about it. Can we talk about who Shirley all right. is? Okay. Lady Hughes' cream in a normal conversation. You stole mine. <laughs> creamy. That girl, creamy. Ugh. It's like moist. Gross. That creamy lady is Jacqueline Schultz, who you might know was with uh, uh, with Toby, with Richard Schiff in Jurassic Park 2. He was also on the X-Files, which I've written in my notes as the E-Files, but I figured out the code. She was also on Deep Space Nine. She was Jessica in, a show, in an episode called Extreme Measures. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. She's also in Matlock ER and Love Boat. Well, Netflix. um... I'll, uh, I'll see you at the luncheon. Wait, I'll walk you out. Good night. Good night. All right, Bobby. Hi. Do the right thing.
Rebecca told me your reason for springing this in front of everybody instead of taking it up with me privately. I don't buy it. There's no excuse for you not coming to me one-on-one. -on -one. Bobby, I was afraid of what I might say to you one-on-one. -on -one. What's that supposed to mean? It means I might say that I think you're dysfunctional. Your father's worked his whole life as a janitor in a big law firm. It made you want to be a lawyer. It also made you hate them for the way that they treated him. I mean, look at you. It's weird Fancy story development, and character office. development, but why is that relevant to her getting a As threat? you try to get ahead, you fight yourself at the same time, and it hurts everybody here. One-on-one, I, I was afraid I might say that. If that's the way you feel, why do you stay? Yeah, good point. Because my best friends work here. I don't want to leave. And I'm in love with you. Oh, I, I God say that. Hell. Damn it. Okay. Okay. Uh, this is you, you were doing so well uh you are, we were like had you back with your good intentions and then you made the woman's motivation for asking what she deserves is that she's in love with her boss now now hold on now 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 whilst i completely agree with the grossness of that they have set it up all along that she's in love with him sure so in the dramatic world of television, for her to take this opportunity to bring it up while she's put, she is the type of character who lays all her cards on the table. Okay, it does further complicate everything involved in this plot point, but I will allow it. I, uh, but like she's articulating why she deserves a raise and why, why, why is she asking for what she deserves? And she's talking, and all she's talking about is him. Okay, that is it's about he's self-destructive. I'm in love with him. How about like I brought you in fucking million dollars and I win all my cases? Whilst that is true, Keith, and I can't, I don't argue that. I'm just saying that they can't, they could be mutually exclusive. However, she's sort of blown that. They've, she's sort of blown that. There was no hope of, of you loving me back. What'd you say? <laughs> what was that? Said that's what. That's what she said. Uh -huh. <laughs> I don't even think I want it, but I don't know. I mean, maybe as a result of my loving you, I also see you. And I know with you in charge and only you in charge, this firm is maxed out. And you might be too. The soap opera stare to commercial. Good. What did you change? Dry cleaners? Funny. Rebecca's award ceremony. My jury's still out, so I... Total congratulations for me. I'd like to go if I didn't have this stupid hit-and-run case. I'll tell her. Oh, and it's not about a real person because he's homeless. What do I care? This is not a good episode. Sorry, I'm late. Oh, that's okay. We haven't even started yet. Guess who took a knife in the throat last night? Who? Your star witness show. Mr. Cyclops got in some kind of beef with another homeless guy. They both wanted to sleep on the same heating vent. He lost. So she killed Toby. There's so much blood on her hands, Keith. She killed Toby. She's like the writers of the seventh season of The West Wing. Shots fired. Well, there's no nothing says that had she given him another uh, witness fee that he would have not slept on the grate that night. I but I, I think they put you up the night before you testify. I could be wrong. 
She's But I think they probably would in that situation. She would win best indirect murderess in every episode almost. She's she's like the latest serial killer on the show. Maybe she's the poet. Yeah. Ella, we've been called. I'm gonna go try to steal a cup of coffee, okay? does appear to feel bad about it. That's good. Out damn spot. So they're all sitting at the gala for Rebecca's award, and it's awkward. This is a really good thing, saving dog shelters. It's nice that they honor you for this. You know, the Jewish people believe one of the greatest things is kindness to animals. I'm not Jewish, though. You look Jewish. If you're insinuating that Jewish people have big heads, that's prejudice. And mine's normal size. Rebecca, <laughs> could I steal you a second? Mm, sure. Let's not spoil this for Beck, huh? Whatever our problems. Look at the big pictures of cats and dogs all around. You know, I know I want in my one, family, but... when things got tense, we used to butter each other's bread. Let's try it. I, that seems Don't really touch awkward. my butt. <laughs> what the hell was that? Uh, excuse me. It was a weird homophobic really joke. Really awkward. Yeah. You have got to be kidding me. You are still getting the award, I assure you. But the board wants to talk about the incident after. I wouldn't even give it another thought. Then why are you telling me? Because some of our more zealous members might make a fuss. I want you to be prepared. He didn't know he'd hurt anybody. You heard him. And who among us wouldn't have been afraid to get out of the car in that neighborhood? Could have All been right. a stage So then. this is the second closing time. I will spare you the song. But i really like to talk about the timeline here. So this is the closing of Helen's case with the, the drive-by, the, the hit and run. Now, if we are to believe that the rest of the team is at the gala for Rebecca's award... Now, I've been to a gala or two in my day, and you're usually sitting down for dinner at around 8, 8 o'clock at night? Yeah, at 7 uh, at the earliest, probably. At the earliest. But back in Helen's case, it's bright and sunny, and they're still in court. Hmm, Keith. It could have been a luncheon. Just... It could have been a luncheon. We have to see what's served. <laughs> well, yeah, fair enough. But like the other Rob, case Mr. Was, Feldman. We don't know who this John Doe was, what was in his mind, what he was up to. Maybe he was some crazy nut. Maybe he was already hurt when he jumped out. There are so many unanswered questions here. What do we know? This is a good man. A very good man. Do we man know that? <laughs> we I, didn't I, know we've heard he nothing of anybody. It. He sounds like he was a rich douchebag looking for a prostitute who ran over a homeless guy. That's literally all we know about this good man. When I get up to do my closing arguments, I often look over to the gallery at the victim or the victim's family to remind myself what I'm fighting. I gotta say, LFB, I, I, I haven't noticed it specifically, but LFB from the late 90s is hella skinny. Like, really skinny. Oh, super skinny. And this has been Mike's Fashion Corner. 
Didn't you have a fashion corner last week? I think I did, yeah. But there's no well, I already did about uh, Eleanor's jacket. Uh, the brooch and you the jacket. You're going to have a victim in all of this when you think about it. Somebody jumped out of the darkness and now he no longer exists. But nobody knew he existed anyway, so what was really lost? Of course Mr. Feldman wasn't going to get out of his car and check. Why should he? If a man dies in the forest and nobody hears him cry, then he doesn't make a sound. Oh, there it is. It all tied together. Gotcha. Does he? For the record, I guess we should state that I was more than just a little wrong. (laughs) For the second week in a row, you were a lot wrong. The other day I was stopped at a traffic light and some bum came up asking to wash my windshield. I couldn't even tell you what he looked like. Because I didn't look at him. I just looked straight ahead. Stopped at a traffic light or walking down the street. I never look at him. Do you? It's easier not to, huh? But, uh... We could do without the cheesy piano. Maybe when you oh, I thought it was you playing for a minute. Over, <laughs> you should stop the car. Get out of the car. Take a look. Mr. Feldman knew he hit somebody. That we all know. I guess the only question for you to go back and decide... Is there any intrinsic It's like an episode of Touched by an Angel life? right now. It really is. Or does he have to be somebody? I gotta ask, I gotta tell you, this is a terrible closing. Well, I think this is your opportunity to give the closing that she should have done while I underscore it. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, sure, my client might take his penis out and refer to it as in the third person. But don't we all have penises in one way or another? And if your penis saw another man be blatantly hit by a car, murdered, and then left behind to rot, wouldn't you also find him guilty? I'll finally leave you with this. If I saw it with my dick, you must convict. Thank you. That was excellent. Well done. Well Well done done to you, Keith. You nailed the key, by the way. Nailed it. I know, dummy. It's your call. It's your call, Dags. Guilty. We're gonna win all the way around. Although this guy might go to prison. Gang might go to prison. Jury has reached a unanimous verdict. We have your honor. Sending him away. Oops. Will the defendant please rise? What say you? Commonwealth versus Raymond Burnett on the charge of murder in the second degree. We find the defendant, Raymond Burnett, not guilty. (laughs) The defendant is free to go. The jury is dismissed. The thanks of the court. Which I think is the right call because the, the actual law comes down to A, whether or not he intended to kill him, which clearly didn't, and B, whether or not it was so reckless 
that he could have imagined killing him, which he could have certainly imagined of maiming him, but I don't think he ever imagined that that, would have po- that was a possibility. That's a very unlucky shot. Yeah. So I think it's the right verdict. Right, and I think that it was saved by... I think what makes it great is that they they kept they didn't cut they kept that scene where Eugene goes back to the DA and asks to take the plea deal the manslaughter deal from the day before right so you know that the DA in in not looking at what was right but kind of just wanting to get the conviction seeing that he had the jury in a good place uh that was a good scene I think it helped my the believability factor here good job yo I don't know how to say thanks, man. No, you did that, man. <laughs> you asked me before if I was going to save your son. I told you I'd try to keep him out of jail. I did. Now, whether or not he saved, that's up to the two of you. You don't know how to say thanks? For now, every time you see a 10-year-old kid, you pretend he's mine. Okay. That dude looks scared. For her perseverance in preserving both the Roxbury Animal Shelter and her fundraising efforts to help build the Jamaica Plain Shelter. There's so many plot lines. So many plot threads in this episode. Basset Hound Award to Miss Rebecca Washington. Oh, should we be giving a Basset Hound oopsie? No. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I was so honored to come here today, especially to be honored for doing something I love. I so love dogs. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I have to be honest in saying that uh, I, I'm, I'm a little thrown. Um, Uh-oh. <clears throat> okay. Two days ago, I, I, I killed a, a rat in my office, and I, I guess there are some people in the association who are considering taking the trophy back from me because of that. So um, I'm, I'm just going to say this. <laughs> I hate rats. Love dogs, but rats, they're, they're, they're filthy, disgusting, scummy little things. And they may be one of God's creatures, but they certainly don't represent his best work. And if one tries <laughs> to run up my leg, I will not apologize for stomping it to death. That is her best scene. They're ugly. They they got mashed up faces and they carry germs and and rabies. And come on, let's all fess up. You'd all poison them if they were running around your house. Now, part of me likes those spring traps because they make them suffer. And then the scummy little rat squeaks out in pain and the rest of the rats know better than to come in. This is hysterical. You you ever seen a drowned one in a pool? It's nasty. So I... I ain't saving no rat. And if this costs me this award, then so be it. I just hope I get to hold on to this long enough so I can use it to bash in one little rat head. Mm. <laughs> Otherwise, I thank you. Otherwise, I thank you. Jimmy. Jimmy with Jimmy a, ra- a thunderous a round of applause. That was awesome. Uh, like, but <laughs> let's think about this. What did like clearly that was written by either David or Frank, who had some experience with rats, <laughs> who had a very strong opinion. They were able to figure out a way to put that in. 
which uh, I, I understand because remove rats and put in bananas. I feel much the same. And I put in a similar, uh, a similar paragraph. You don't in, like bananas? Uh, oh God, they're horrible. Oh, agreed. I disagree. And I, I found an excuse to, I, you know, I wrote a, I, I tried to adapt. I got fired into a TV show and I put a big long paragraph bashing bananas in one of the episodes. Yeah, write what you know. Indeed. Not guilty? Yeah, you too. Yeah. Yeah. So we just found out there that the rich guy who killed the homeless guy was not guilty. Eugene is going into an empty courtroom where Helen is still sitting alone at the table. Good shot. Hey. How'd the luncheon go? Had to leave. My jury came back. Good? I don't think you'd like it. I'm still all dressed up. Get a drink or something? Actually, I'd like to go for a walk. Feel like walking? It's cold out there. Is it? Tell me about it. It's Los Angeles, guys. Just because they put a lot of steam doesn't mean it's not Los Angeles. <laughs> Are they going to go to, like, wash the homeless people? Did you say wash them? Yes. <laughs> Rebecca okay? Yeah, I think she's just feeling the stress of everything. And, and that, um... Jay's rats. Yeah. <laughs> well spotted. Listen, are you lashing out because of us? She's not lashing or, out! Or do you really believe that... Sorry, I had to say that. Keith, are you lashing out? Both. I might be. Yeah, I'm sure part of my frustration's got nothing to do with the practice. But part of it does. It's not frustration. She's just asking just for what she deserves! And I, I think I can help you... It's the last time I'm going to say that. I promise. Listen. Keith, could you underscore... I'm going to be Bobby for a minute. Oh, okay. I'm going to resolve yeah, yeah, yeah. this scene for us. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to go minor this time. No, no. I need something like a 70s, like, pimp fantasy. Oh, like a... Like a... Give me a Moog synth if you got it. Oh, yeah. No, totally. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Lindsay, I've been thinking long and hard about it. And I've decided... To deny your request for six figures, but to approve your request for six inches. Meet me on the couch in my office. Wow, that was upsetting in a lot of ways. <laughs> what? Nothing. What? I'm right here, Bobby. I'm standing right here. See, they didn't—they didn't use your uh, your groove. I'll—I'll uh, I'll think this office stuff through. Okay. 
I mean, you can't moonlighting it. They can't get together too soon. That's right. It's only season two, and we're only 37 episodes into it, so... So much steam. Screenshot so that. So much steam. There's so oh, much steam. Okay. And he's wearing a beret. They're both wearing berets, in They're fact. They're both wearing berets. They're wearing matching berets to walk through the uh, Los Angeles steam. And they are indeed washing the homeless people. Actually, only four homeless people. I counted four. That's all. They only got four extras. Well, you know, they... <laughs> They're probably doubling from people who are on the jury. Okay, folks, we have gotten through another episode of The Practice. We saw the forest and the trees, and we are 24 episodes into season two, Sheesh. but we are not done yet. You stinker. You stinker. We saw it all way the way to, through way there. To, way to turn that off, Dex. Well, we, I figured we'd see it all the way through. <laughs> Well, you have seen it all the way through, and now, guys, it is time to do some oopsies. Woo. How excited are we? Are 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 we all? Ooh, good to the talking with the mouth hole. It's mm-hmm. going really well. Real well. But our first oopsie, of course, is most Well, Keith, I think by sheer power of elimination here, we have to award my, at least I have decided to award Eugene. He, once again, wasn't particularly pleased with his client, but he used the law and he was in the right and he won his case. And he got a, what could have been a four-year sentence for the initial plea, uh, he got that person free. And actually- Well, it could have been life, too. Could right? have been life. And he left them with some valuable uh, food for thought for their lives moving forward. Uh, everyone else lost, so I think that uh, Eugene is my vote for most valuable lawyer. Yeah, no, I, I, obviously. Uh, I think he would have, even if Helen had won, I still think it's Eugene, because I think he just gave a really good closing. He was very strong. Uh, so congratulations, Eugene. You are this week's most valuable lawyer. Uh, I bet he must be super excited to see the Instagram post with his trophy. So if you would like to see Eugene's trophy, uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast. You know, Keith, it dawns on me it that doesn't. though we have wonderful bumpers for each award, yes. there's no actual introduction to the oopsies proper. Wow. You know what? You're entirely right. So I think you should you should write one. Hmm. Damn it. I really, I really set myself up for that. <laughs> oh, I just judoed the shit out uh, of that. I got judo jimmied. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us up to... Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. The first entry on your IMDb. Way Lady to go. Knowing, you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. All right, best guest actor. Who you got? I actually have two nominees. Uh, okay. I'm going to need your help on the IMDb. <laughs> yeah, I figured. Uh, who's give, the... give us a, give us a rough description, like you would in court. Uh, the guy who's on the West Wing. <laughs> 
Okay, Richard Schiff. Richard Schiff, legendary actor. Yes. Uh, I thought he was great. I thought that uh, it can often be challenging portraying someone with some challenges so that it doesn't come across, especially when they're written comedically, that it doesn't come across too insensitively comic. That makes sense. He had to say Mr. Winky with a straight face. I think he also said Mr. Penis at one point. And Mr. Penis. Yeah. Uh, And he was very good. Um, however, I also want to give a nomination to the murdered sons, the murder, the, the, the victim's mother who only had one scene and did some excellent extra work. She had a good, uh, yeah, she had a good non-speaking close up later. Yeah. It's Tina Lifford. I was very moved by her. In fact, Keith. Okay. I think I'm going to. In that one scene, I think she stole. That's it was memorable and it was powerful, but not too much, and it was intense and it was. I'm going to give her my oopsie. This she gets my nomination and my vote. Okay, all right. Well, I think that is entirely fair. I thought she did a really good, a really good job, and uh, yeah, that's great. Now, me being the West Wing nerd that I am, I have no choice. Okay, it has to go to Richard Schiff. That's fair because he's fucking Richard Schiff. So congratulations to Richard Schiff and Tina Lifford for your best guest acting award. Your oopsie. It's a really big deal. Uh, Enjoy it. And now it's time for... You know, she's going to get her picture on Instagram because of me. She sure is. Well, really because of you, because of me. Best actor on the show. Okay, so interesting choice here. Who was the best actor on this episode of The Practice? Bobby did not have a lot of colors to play. Dylan did not have a lot of colors to play this week. I think in righteous indignation was sort of the one palette he was drawing from. Or non-righteous indignation. Yeah. Just Completely unearned indignation. Correct. Uh, well, he believed he had the right. Also, I thought that Rebecca had some great moments. Um the final speech, excellent. Excellent. I think, long story short, I think they all, in one way or the other, gave some pretty good performances, as they generally do. They're they're pretty much firing on all cylinders, minus Jimmy, who had some just terrible peas and carrots this week. I thought it was pretty hilarious, though. Hilarious. Like, it, was very, it made the cut, like, for sure. And it was, like, it, it was in character, and also, like, a, a little nugget for those people who rewatch it and listen carefully. I, I say I say thank you, Michael, for that little gem. Um. Oh my goodness, Keith, you're gonna leave me out on a ledge right now because I always forget I forget their names. Oh, I am absolutely here. I'm gonna give you some to, something to think about. Ah. Just stand out in the field all by yourself and try to come up with the name of a major actor on the show you have done about 52 hours of podcasting about. The one that we are asking people to listen to. And treat you as an authority on Keith. I never asked to be ch- asked to be an authority. All right, <laughs> just a comedian. Oh comedian? no! <laughs> Who do you think it is? <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I mean, you know, I, I definitely have very specific thoughts and also specific names attached. And a pink to the comb, actors. and a pink comb. You've still got out. And a and an amazing pink comb. And I'm going to comb through all my options while you tell me Listen, who you think the best actor is. Keith, in the beginning of our 
foray into this podcast, there was one actor who was running away with a lot of the oopsies in the beginning. Indeed. And I think that he has returned to form here. I think that Steve Harris's portrayal of Eugene uh, was once again excellent this week. I think, you know, he has, you know, touched a lot of these these beats before, sort of being disgusted by or not particularly 100% behind his client or his client's behavior. But not only winning them the case by utilizing the law, but trying to help them along in their life. And and I thought that scene in the elevator after the verdict was really awesome. I thought his clothes was awesome. I thought that all of the beats from... I just think he was thoroughly good. Even the stuff with the rat and with the, the cases, everything he, everything he did was just a tour de force once again. In not... It wasn't like he had a lot... It, this was a really like huge uh, case or episode for him. He just did it skillfully. So uh, my oopsie nomination and award goes to uh, Steve Harris as Eugene Young. Steve Harris. Yeah, well, I mean, so you went from dark hair to no hair? Mm-hmm. Is that how you're going to describe That's great. Uh, yeah, no, that I was, agree with that. That's bad. That's just that's that's terrible. Bad. Yeah. That's, that's bad. That's bad. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with everything you just said. I think Steve Harris did a really good job. Uh, that said, and I, I was sort of 50-50 on this, so I'm just going to go with the opposite. I got to give it to Lisa Gay Hamilton, who, well, I, I thought her character's indignation towards Lindsay made no sense whatsoever. Uh, she, she curb stomped a rat and then <laughs> gave a speech about it. I, I, I feel like you got to get at least half an oopsie for that. Fair. So uh, con- congratulations to Steve Harris and Lisa Gay Hamilton for your oopsies for best actor. I can't, I'm sure they can't wait to screenshot Instagram. Uh, with their pictures which leaves us with uh one last oopsie we all know what it is the tom brady award for being tom brady the tom brady award for being tom brady uh interesting choice uh this week what do you think uh it's tough you know really could go either way uh you know i'm just gonna have to close my eyes and point yeah. I'm going to go with Tom Brady. Oh, going with your gut. Okay. No, I think I think that's a that's a fair point. And I I was I was thinking about some other options, but uh yeah, no, I agree. Congratulations Tom Brady for winning the Tom Brady award for being Tom Brady. Uh there I'm sure he must be excited. It's two two weeks in a row. Keith, you do know what they say. What do they say? While some can't vegan Because he's a vegan. Get it? Like, he can. Vegan. I should make some jokes. I should have punchlines. But instead, I can only come up with some rhymes. But it's better podcast. Woo! Comedian? Okay, okay, all right, I will stop torturing Tags. And this has been... Ladies and time gentlemen. for spare tires. The Tom Brady Award for being, we always cap it. Oh, 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 and well, I didn't know we'd wrapped it. I don't know we'd wrap it. Okay, so set me up again. Okay, well, Tom, congratulations on your second win in a row. And this has been... The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Yeah, there it is. We'll get oh, it. God, we'll get can, it eventually. 
Oh, some someday, someday. Well, stick around next week and see if he can. Uh, Is it still season try- two? How many more episodes are there? There's like 15 more episodes. No, I think there are four or five. I think we go all the way to, to 28. So, all right. It is finally time, and I'm just, I know you're all really It's time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Keith, I think this week suffered from what is affectionately known in the biz as the Laraquette Letdown. <laughs> the Lara Letdown. Yeah, wherein the episode after a tour de force scene chewing episode starring John Laraquette is sort of a letdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, hence the name, as you can imagine. I thought that, like we said, they they posted a interesting conversation about marginalized members of society. We gave it props earlier, but it's once again they didn't. I guess you know they they kind of co- take kind of the easy way out. They let the guy win, the the gang guy win, and then Eugene gives him like a life lesson moving forward. Think it like it was my ten year old son, which doesn't really. I mean, it's it's sort of the way they had to go, I guess. It's the easiest way out, I think. Uh, well, it's the only way you could do if you're going to devote that small amount of time within an episode to that case. Right. And the Lindsay case, or excuse me, the Helen case, she, they play the schmaltzy music and she goes to walk by the homeless people. She doesn't give any of the money or, say, or acknowledge them anyway. She just walks by them in a steamy alley. Uh, whilst asking somebody to come help, come with her so she's safer. Uh Oh, that's true. I hadn't even clocked that, but yeah. So it it's a little. Uh, the, I'm to be honest. I think the best part of the episode is the funny stuff. Was the whole rat stuff. Uh, and I guess we get some the the meta arc moves forward a little bit. We get Lindsay once again professing her love and Bobby not saying anything regarding it, as well as maybe this through line with the money stuff having something to do with it. Uh. At least somebody told Bobby he's doing a shitty job running the firm, which I think needed to be said. Yeah, fair enough. That all said... So hit me with some tires. That all said, I think I'm going to give it... It was enjoyable, though. I'm going to give it seven spare tires. Okay. Well, that, that was a big run-up for a pretty decent uh, grade. 6.5 spare tires. Well, I wasn't trying to talk you out 6. of it. 6.5 spare tires. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, no, I, I agree with all of your criticisms of it. Um, I think, for me, I, the thing that I really dock it for is mixing up her love life after, you know, and asking for what she deserves. That that really bugged me because thus far we'd she'd been advocating for herself so well, and she was entirely right. So uh, it loses half a point for that moment that said i also really loved her advocating for herself and i i think it was entirely earned um we certainly set up this dynamic and with any firm that's growing like that this these issues are going to come up and i thought it was entirely fair so i thought it was an entertaining episode it wasn't a classic episode but i was i was compelled throughout uh so i'm gonna give it a seven Okay, so we're talking a 6.75 spare tire. 6.75 spare tire. Spare tires. Oh, God. Keith. It's time. Let's just play out. Yeah, do you, would you consider yourself one of the preeminent feminists of the podcast community? No. Well, I would, I would and I'm saying that Keith Varney is one of the preeminent 
feminists, advocates, and the podcasting you community. Know, I am so honored as a straight white male receiving an award from another straight white male about feminism that I definitely deserve. If you want to congratulate Keith on his award, you can write at <laughs> outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com or check us out at outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com or check us out on Instagram or Twitter or Reddit or any of those things. Out of practice, at out of practice. We're here every week. Out of practice podcast. We're also not on Twitter. No, leave us a review. Please, <laughs> we'll write a song for you. Um, and right now, while we're on air, Keith and I have you. Since we've started this podcast, Keith and I have not actually seen each other. True story. <laughs> is, so I want to ask you on air, Keith, true. do you want to go see It Part 2 with me? I would love to do that. Okay. I was, yeah, I, I was actually considering asking you to a hockey game on Monday. Oh, let's do both of those things. Okay. All right. Guys, we have a date. Feminists. <laughs> Feminists. <laughs> Laser sounds. Laser sounds. What is Wisdom of One? Wisdom of One is the story of me, the brave and powerful hero Skankross 7 and counting. Wisdom of One, there's like all these crazy adventures that we go on. It always has something new. <laughs> this podcast has many, many personality disorders in evidence. See if you can spot them all. The one telling the story is shockingly repressed. Yet another Dungeons and Dragons comedy podcast. Interrupted by long stretches of grunting from Dagon and pointless NPC nonsense you should skip through. Sometimes it's just more fun than real life, I guess. So find us on your podcatcher of choice. Give us a listen, rate, and review us. We need your help there for sure. Wisdom of One. Failure is a way of life. Charisma of 20.